Welcome, sports fans. You have entered the man cave of the one and only Fan Man, broadcasting from his lazy boy recliner somewhere in the Vale of Paradise known as Valparaiso, Indiana. Hey, sports fans, welcome to the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. All right, this is uh, our week two review of the Chicago Bears, right? With that win they had uh, last Sunday over the Cincinnati Bengals 20-17. to And again, the Fan Man Podcast is going to walk through all of the Bears games week by week by week. And I think... As we go here, there's going to be more intriguing games and more storylines. And of course, now Justin Fields is in the fold. So we'll have a lot to talk about week to week on the Bears, whether uh, it's going to be fantastic talk about how great they're doing or talk about how bad they're doing. We don't quite know yet, but um, for this effort, as always, uh, he'll, he'll be with us during this journey through the Chicago Bears seasons. Chad Lincoln, how are you this morning, Chad? Doing great, Bill. It's been a long week just thinking about this game because, you know, there's been so many things going with it leading up to the next game that it's like, where do we go? <laughs> That's right. Where do we go? And um, it's starting to, uh, that crystal ball that I had before the season started is, is starting to look pretty clear because I figured this was going to happen. I figured that Somewhere early in the season, you'd have like a nagging injury or two or, or, or what there by Dalton. And um, Fields would come in like he did, you know, in, in the Bengals game. And now he's starting against the, the Cleveland Browns. And this was, and we had a show about the Bears season. This wasn't the game, right, Chad, that we really wanted to see him start against uh, the Cleveland Browns? No, we were thinking it was going to be a little while further down the road. At least for me, I thought it was going to be more towards the end of the season, whether it was a case where maybe we were so deep down bad that he had to come in or something injury-wise happened that they didn't have any other choice and Nick Foles wasn't going to be the answer. And so we just kind of went with whatever we had. Right. And then all of a sudden, week one, guess who shows up about four plays into the game? Yeah, yeah. In fields, it's like, what's going on here? You said he wasn't going to see the field until you were ready to put him in, and all of a sudden, here's game one, first series of the game, and he's already in. Right. We're just basically teasing us all along to say that we're going to use him, but we're not going to tell you when or what, you know? Right, and that was week one, and then week two here against the Bengals, we saw more of him, and then this game, and we're going to go through it, then... You know, Dalton gets hurt, and then we're relying on him totally. Mm-hmm. Because we made uh, Nick Foles inactive, so our backup quarterback, should Fields have had any kind of injury problem, was going to be David Montgomery. Right, right. I'm thinking, why would you make your third quarterback, who has NFL experience, inactive, when you could have made somebody else that you probably weren't going to use that much as an inactive player? Right. And that would have brought memories back from when Walter Payton on occasion would take the snap from center in a shotgun formation. <laughs> That's probably not the same thing as if, say, Jim McMahon had been injured and whoever the backup was at that time was unable in, to play. You know, that's just something that you kind of do as a fluke thing to kind of take the defense off their feet. 
but not the same as, well, both quarterbacks are down. What do we do? Right, right. All right, so we know the popular story coming out of the Bears' 20-17 to win over the Bengals was, again, Justin Fields uh, getting some extended playing time and now starting uh, this week. But the game, this particular game, was about the defense of the Bears, right? I mean, the defense stepped up there. Yeah, the defense did their job. They showed up and were doing the things that they should have done, especially knowing that once Dalton was down, they were going to have to step up. Because otherwise, if they didn't, the Bengals were going to take over and blow us out. And we'd all be like, what's going on here? Right. Three interceptions uh, for for Burrow. And, you know, the one uh, was run back for a touchdown by Smith. Uh That was a great pick. But maybe the other two were more on Burrow, right? Yeah. I mean, he just had some points late in the game where he didn't look himself. And some of that could be second game back from being injured last year still trying to kind of figure out what he's got available to him to be able to work with and uh just what his body's going to be able to do in those games too and it just got to his head a bit more than what it should have right so the bears you know had a fumble recovery they had four sacks six tackles for a loss a forced fumble nine quarterback hits and eight passes uh defended so overall and we'll, and we'll get into it more as, as we talk about this game. Some great defense uh, from the Bears. But, the, again, the offense had some issues in the first half with Dalton before he hurts his knee. And then more issues with Fields in the game in the second half. Uh, but the Bears also left some yards and points out there with some drops and silly penalties. And I think this is some of the criticism with Justin Fields, at least, was that they really could have put this this – this game could have really been like a – you could have had like a 34 spot. It could have been 34-17, right, if they were converting on those turnovers. There's that possibility. And then also the, just the fact that you go into the game with the intention of Andy Dalton's playing for the long term, but then he's only in for like two series before he gets hurt. Now Justin Fields is like, I have to be the man. And it, for some reason that switch in his head just didn't go off the same way as it should have. For most quarterbacks, that have to do that kind of thing. So we started seeing some really off-kilter things happening, especially with drop passes, or they were passes that were right on, but just a little too hard. I did remember Darnell Mooney had a couple of drop passes that they were right there on his hands, but he just couldn't get his mitts around it to be able to keep it in. So it wasn't so much on, on Mooney as it was Fields for not having the right touch on the ball, but then for Mooney to not catch it at the same time so a lot of people are going to put the problem on Mooney instead of Fields because Mooney's the one that would have gotten more yards yeah and um you know during this game and I know it's early on in the in the progression here of Justin Fields but a couple of things that I noticed was you know back when he was at Ohio State he had that monster offensive line I mean when you know does does Ohio State ever have a bad offensive line I don't think so I can't remember the last bad offensive line Ohio State's ever had. It was probably towards the end of Woody Hayes. Yeah, it's been a long time. So he has that big offensive line at Ohio State. And when he, you know, takes the snap out of the shotgun, he has time to look at the whole field and decide, you know, where the ball's going to go. And, of course, Ohio State always has a range of fantastic wide receivers. And then for some reason, if the play breaks down, because of the offensive line, there'll be a, lot, a lane or two where he could run and pick up a first down. So that, that's Justin Fields' game. But, in, but 
you know, at least so far, and you know, and I'm not going to look too much into the future right now, but but so far, I think he's having a little bit of a hard time, or he will have a hard time reading, um, re- doing some reads of the defense here, and he's not going to have the time. He holds the ball. He's going to have to figure out, hey, I might have been able to hold the ball at Ohio State for X amount of time, but I can't do that now. I just can't do that with the Bears offensive line. He can't hold the ball and look around. He's not going to have that luxury and then he's going to have to make that split-second decision. What am I going to do now? Am I going to just throw it to someone? Am I going to run? You know, um, but the heat's coming on him. And I think that was, and we'll talk about it some more, I think that was probably the cause of that fumble that he had in that in that spot there. But I think, you know, reading reading the defense and holding the ball too long, I think those are the things that he's going to have to work on. And that's part of the reason why the, the Bears didn't say week one, he was going to be our starter, that they were going with Andy Dalton and why they brought him in is because they knew they wanted to get a young quarterback, but they wanted to give that guy time to understand what the league was about and also time to be able to work and practice on those things that were going to be his weaknesses so he can make them into a better strength, like the, the time with the ball in hand or being able to read defenses and things. He could be able to work on some of that stuff with the practice squad or with the second team and then convert it over to the first team to show that he's kind of mastering it a little more so that by the end of this season, he's already working with the right guys to say, this is how next season is going to go because I know what to look for. I know what to do and how to improve. Right, right. And um, I think it's time to stop drafting or, you know, some of these comparisons that we, we hear all the time, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, media, you know, all over the TV about, about Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's definitely a different guy than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's just like crazy the things he does, right? I mean, you can't expect I mean, I don't see I don't I don't think we're ever going to see a comparison there to Lamar Jackson in terms of running ability. I would hope not, but I think a lot of people are going to try to do that eventually. They just want to see more game action from uh, Justin Fields before they actually start comparing him to other younger quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. No, cuz a lot of times, some people would want to say that he's going to be the next Lamar Jackson, but it's like, how many teams from the Big Ten or the Cupcakes they played really gave him that much of a struggle in his time at Ohio State that he feels like he's really ready to be that kind of quarterback in the NFL? He might be that way two, three, four years down the line, but not in his rookie year. Right. I mean, a dime a dozen that are like that, but they're usually the ones that, for at least two, maybe three years of college, we're playing some competition that they could work with and be able to be that better player and not just teams that they beat 68 to six. Yeah. And if you look at his season last year at the end, right? So basically they had three tough games. They played Wisconsin in the uh, big 10 championship game. And he did not have a good game in that game. I mean, he did not look like a first round draft pick as far as I'm concerned against Wisconsin. Then they played Clemson in the semifinals, and yes, he had a good game against Clemson. He hung in there. Anytime you beat Clemson, you can't ever fault anybody for beating Clemson, right? So he took that big hit early in the game by Skowski, if you remember, right? He got drilled in the ribs, and uh, I thought he might have been out for the game. And then he, you know, he showed some toughness. He came in there, hung in there, and they beat Clemson. But then in the championship game against Nick Saban in Alabama, he did not have a good game. And some can say, oh, well, that was Alabama. But in the NFL, you got you got seventeen Alabamas. You definitely have that. 
because you, you can't go into a game unprepared. Like you're pre- you're preparing to play against like a Presbyterian or a Valpo or some team that you're not right. supposed to really be playing, but you're doing it because you got some money to be able to give them. You know, um, otherwise every week you're going to go in basically playing like that number one quarterback that might be the next Zach Wilson, who we're seeing right now with the Jets struggling. I think they they're moving him in too fast to be the savior of the team, and he's just not quite there yet. Because BYU was playing teams that gave him competition, but at a different level than what he's ready for. Right, right. So again, going back to the game, the offense was scarce with the Bengals having the edge in total yards, two forty-eight to two hundred six. But the Bears had more first downs, sixteen of fourteen. It's not a wide margin, and then they won the time of possession. 31 to 28, primarily because of Burrow's interceptions. The Bears were penalized eight times for 70 yards, while the Bengals got hit with four penalties for 57 yards. Right. So the the stat we'll go through the stats inside the numbers before uh, after we summarize the game. But um, most of the stats, I mean, you, you don't really glean too much out of these stats, right? In this game. No, not really, because it looked like it was two teams that were still needing a, a preseason game to get ready for things, but needed it to be that preseason game where the starters played more time than just the first series or two or the first quarter. Right, right. So let's talk about the game. We'll go to the first quarter. The Bears, you know, with the ball on their own 25-yard line, and Dalton's now the quarterback as the game starts. Throws a nice pass to Mooney, who gets into Bengals territory. Uh, then Cincy, with the pass interference on Goodwin, Puts the ball just inside the Bengals' 20. Then on third and five from the 11-yard line, Dalton hits Allen Robinson in the end zone. Touchdown Bears. Santos with the extra point. And at that point in the game, all is good, right? 7 nothing Bears. Yeah, I mean, that first series kind of said to me that Andy Dalton's looking like he's going to be ready for this game and he's going to come out burning to show the Bengals that what they had for talent doesn't yeah. even compare to what the Bears have been working with and just needed a quarterback for, you know, if you'd have given me some talent in Cincinnati that wasn't just, I need, I'm only one person, I need the ball all the time, or had so many people that needed the ball, and you kept drafting more of that type of person, you know, he could have won some more games, and he and Marvin Lewis might still be there. Right. Yeah, and, and this was a big game for Dalton, right? I mean, anytime you're playing a, a, a team that you used to be a quarterback for, and he was there a long time, so I, I know Andy Dalton, was juiced up for the game. How could you not be, right? Exactly. I mean, he came out just looking good, and I thought it was going to be a great game for him. And as we'll see later, things didn't work out as well as they should have, but that's just kind of how the how the ball uh, bounces around in the NFL. Yeah. And uh, Dalton, as a Cowboy quarterback last year, beat Cincinnati. So now I guess it would be nice for him at least to beat him as a Bear, and then he can say, hey, I beat the Bengals – uh, as a quarterback for two different teams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. So back. So let's stay, stick with the first quarter. The Bengals had a third down on the Bears' 35-yard line. Things were looking good for them. But then there was a big sack on Burrow by Robert Quinn and killed the Bengals' drive. And it was good to see, for Bears fans, to see Robert Quinn get into some action there, huh? Yeah, I mean, he was dead silent week one. And it was like, where were you? And some of that might have been the fact that this year with the preseason only being three games instead of four, some of those guys sat around for those two weeks doing the same rep stuff to get ready for week one, but not having a game to play in there 
to at least get some more reps, even though week four, in most cases, you weren't playing any starters anyway. But even then, in the preseason, most of the starters weren't playing more than a series, which was right. affecting how these guys react to situations on the field because they just didn't have enough reps in preseason games. Yep, that's right. So the first quarter ends, and it's 7 nothing. the 7 nothing uh, Chicago Bears over the Cincinnati Bengals. And then we get to this second quarter, and I don't know what to make out of a second quarter, and you don't see two teams uh, not scoring any points, neither one in the second quarter. You don't see that much in the NFL anymore, right, Chad? Not usually, unless it's two really good, solid teams that are expected to be very strong defensively, which was not the case in this game. It was supposed to be more which offense was going to take control and run. Right. And you really did, as we saw. Yep. So Dalton is still quarterbacking, you know, in the, here in the second quarter. He made good on a scramble into Bengals territory. Then here we go with Fields, right? So they, so it's fourth down, and Nagy just can't stop going on fourth down, can he? No, but I think what he's trying to do this early in the season is just seeing what kind of uh, fourth, fourth down stances he'll have to be able to keep the ball more instead of having to rely on Patrick O'Connell or O'Donnell to uh, – kick a bunch of yeah. punts that are going to go wide left or wide right of where they want to go and giving the uh, the opponent more field position to work with. Right. Then on fourth down, Fields comes in, sneaks over for the first down on the Bengals 30, but he fell short, right? Mm-hmm. He fell short there, and kind of an interesting thing because watching um, later on that day, I'm watching the Cowboys and the Chargers and Justin Herbert, who I thought had a great game against Dallas uh, last Sunday, he got into a fourth and one. And we've seen this before. We've seen this with Manning. We see this with Brady. Some of the bigger quarterbacks, I, you know, he's six foot six, Herbert. And he just basically extends his body and picks up the first down. That's what a Herbert guy does. But it seemed like here with Fields on a fourth down, he kind of got he kind of got smaller. Yeah, I think his intention or the intention in what he was told to do was just get the ball over. Don't worry about you getting any further, but I think he didn't go far enough. And that's where in some cases with that position, a lot of people want it to where like the uh, down marker has some kind of a sensor that would say it went over this, like it would heat up or change color or something so that the officials could say, yep, it's a first down for sure because it sensed it go over. But then it's like, it's almost the same thing as, like, we, we keep hearing with baseball with the robot umpires. So right, they get everything right. right every time. It's like, you still got to have that mistake factor in there so that it says to the teams, we need to improve this somehow. Yeah. And I think when you're going to, you know, do a quarterback sneak and fourth and one, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a great athlete for that. You don't have no. to, you know. So I'm wondering next week if this, ha- or this coming week, if it happens, maybe you bring Nick Foles in. For that one play, if if Nagy's about bringing guys in for one play, maybe you bring Foles in because Foles can extend his long body, you know, another half an inch and get the first down. Exactly, and that would be a good thing to do. It's just a matter of will the Bears be remembering we don't have any other quarterbacks but Justin Fields that are, are going to be playing. Yeah. So we need to make sure that Foles is activated. Right. Right. So that was a that was a bummer there, and not a good not a good start for Fields, and maybe that was on his mind. I don't know. But then the Bengals, they also had a fourth down. It was a fourth and two, and then a pass was broken up by a, you know a pass intended for T. Higgins was broken up by the Bears, and the Bears get the ball back. 
Yeah, and that could be a case because T. Higgins is still relatively young, that he just doesn't have quite the uh, read of what Joe Burrow is going to do because Burrow missed part of last season with the injuries. And so when you're still trying to learn your quarterback, it, it kind of throws things off a bit, and especially when you're playing a strong defense compared to some of the others that you play. Right, right. So then, again, the Bengals have the ball. There's two minutes left in the half. Burrow could not convert on a pass on third down to Joe uh, Mixon. So, um, And then the Bears get the ball back. Fields is the quarterback now, right, on third down. Um, and then, you know, they third down, the pass was late. I mean, it was – and that really kind of ended the first half, seven and nothing. So this was really just a quarter of futility all the way around kind of, right? It was – you know, you want to say, hey, the defense stepped up. But the, it was definitely futility on both sides of the offenses. Yeah, it wasn't even – that quarter wasn't so much the defenses stepped up. It was more like the offenses went silent. Yeah. Like they got content with making sure that they could get the ball downfield, but then they stopped getting the ball downfield. Right. And this game reminded me of many games that I've seen and watched, and I'm sure you have too at Soldier Field, is when a, an opponent comes into Soldier Field. At some point, you just get the impression like, hey – we're here to lose. Please take this game away from me. You know, I we're we're let's get let's get back on the bus and get home. So, I kind of thought the Bengals in their first half was kind of playing like that. They were they were kind of playing like, yeah, we know we're going to lose this game. Let's get out of town. I mean, that's that's what I got there in the in the first half. Yeah, I mean, that was a team that it just looks like they're still trying to find what their weapons are and who's going to be their main influences, whether it's Mixon, Higgins, or any other receiver that they've got on their roster it's going to really take and run things so that when teams are getting ready for them, it's like, okay, we need to focus on this guy right now. It's just who's getting the ball. So the defense is always paying attention to where's the ball going to go so that they know whether to read for a pass or if it's going to be a handoff, how to handle the line, you know, cause there's no significant weapon right. on that, on that lineup. That's we have to worry about this guy going for a hundred yards rushing or a hundred yards receiving or being in the end zone every time. Yeah, I think losing Giovanni Bernard didn't help them. No, but I think they basically wanted to get rid of him because yeah. he just looked out of place there after a while. I mean, when you've got more of a Joe Burrow passing type quarterback and some weapons that are younger that you can work with, Bernard's just not going to be the guy you want to go with. Even if you're just looking for needing a yard on third down to get a first down, it's like, let's go for the younger guy who might be able to get us five yards. Yeah. Well, I thought one thing that he did pretty good for them was, you know, that third down back. When everything breaks down, yeah. you hit him, and maybe he'll pick up, you know, five to seven yards and get yourself a first down to keep the chains moving. But maybe that's what they kind of needed in this game. I don't know because we had those interceptions yeah. later on. But it's seven and nothing at the half. And as I said, you know, Cincinnati's playing the game like, please take it away from us. But on the other side of the ball, the Bears are like, well, we're not ready to take it away from you yet. Yeah, it was one of those games where it's like, this might, might have been a better preseason matchup than a week three matchup, yeah. or a week two. Right, right. So let's move to the third quarter. Um, Khalil Mack, fine, you know, wow, there's Khalil Mack. He had a third down sack on Burrow to stymie that drive, and, and now we see Khalil Mack get involved, right? Something we haven't seen yet too much. Yeah, he, the defense finally just kind of said, you know what, we got to take things over. Because the offense may be struggling with fields because he hasn't gone this long in a game that really meant more than let's just get our reps in. 
Right. Right. The first game, they didn't rely on Fields to be the the purpose of the game. Now he is the quarterback, so we're going to have to step our game up. Otherwise, the Bengals are going to see that, and they're going to run all over us if they get any kind of an opening. Right. That's right. And then later in the quarter, Roquan uh, Roquan Smith had a nice sack, uh, you know, with the Bengals having the ball at midfield, and that kind of killed that drive. And then with 8.33 left in the third quarter, the Bengals made good on a 53-yard field goal. And now it's Bears 7, Bengals 3. So the first half of this third quarter, the Bears could not move the ball. No, they didn't have anything going for them at all that third quarter. It just, I don't know if maybe they were just scared or if it was a a case of what's Fields going to do that we're not ready for. You know, in yeah. terms of, like, how's his timing going to be? What's he going to do? Um, is he going to throw audibles in there that he's not ready for, that we're not ready for, that he shouldn't be calling because he doesn't know what he's doing yet? What's what's going to happen here? And it's all kind of, what's Coach going to call that we're going to probably screw up somehow? Yep. So with, so with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter, it's the Bears 7, Bengals 3. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. And let's talk about Mark Sanchez, right? So Mark Sanchez is doing the, color commentary of this game on on the broadcast and Mm -hmm. this guy i don't know if fields or the bears or the mccaskey somebody it was almost like they were paying him to be the spokesperson for justin fields i mean he just he just could not stop whatever justin fields did it according to to sanchez it was amazing well the other thing that you're looking at too with sanchez is when he was at usc he was a star so he's going to talk as though the quarterback is the star, and that's another situation there is when you have a quarterback that's doing your color commentary, unless you're um, Tony Romo, you're basically always talking quarterback play as though they are the star of this situation, not just another player that needs to find so-and-so to get things going like you would with a defensive guy or maybe an offensive lineman that's calling the game, like a Moose Johnson who's more of a, was a tight end and talking more overall game. He's just talking, what's the quarterback going to do? Which, yeah, Romo does the same kind of thing, but he's also kind of getting us into what's in the quarterback's head and not just, this is what the quarterback's supposed to do. Yeah, I, I but yeah. my thought was he wasn't real objective as to what was going on on the field. It's, it's one no. thing to talk about the quarterback, and I'm okay with that, but it was like everything he was doing was like glowing, and I'm looking at the scoreboard, and I'm thinking, hey, wait a second. There's eight minutes to go in the third quarter. It's the Bears seven and the Bengals three, and the touchdown was Dalton's touchdown. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, what, you know, I mean, at least be a little fair about things. But he was, he kept going on and on and on. And I've heard other announcers, you know, over the years do this when you got young quarterbacks who haven't played much. But I, I just thought he was laying it on real thick. And then even on this next play we're going to talk about, he was still kind of, you know, promoting fields. So this was a huge play. There's like five minutes now and 30 seconds left in the third quarter. And uh, we had the Fields fumble, which if he didn't recover, that would have been pretty catastrophic at that moment of the game, right? Yeah. I mean, you leave the ball that that close to where the, the Bengals could have taken advantage of it. And that could have been spelling game over for the Bears or saying the fans, oh, yeah, Fields really isn't ready. Right. And we've seen this a thousand times, and it just seems like this is never going to change, right? 
So the ball's rolling around, and there was a couple Bengals that tried to pick it up and run with it. But they couldn't yep. get they couldn't get their fingers on, and then Fields recovers it. Good for Fields, he recovered it. But I don't know what I, I mean. What kind of coaching? I mean, what's going on there? Can we ever tell these players just to dive on the ball? Because they're not taught the fun, they don't care about the fundamental of that part. They want the uh, six points. Yeah, they want the glory of the. You picked up the fumble and returned it for six points. But how, how about just jumping on it, staying on it, so your team gets the ball back and you have some time to work with that you can maybe get that six points doing something a little more exciting than just a fumble recovery from a guy that shouldn't be holding the ball at all. Yeah, you, you would think like these head coaches, and I know some of this goes on where they have like a box, and if you do something stupid during the game, you got to put money into the box. And at the end of the year, all that money goes like to charity or something. But I think if the coach, I mean, I think at some point that should be one of the things like if you, if you don't get your hands, if you don't fall down on that fumble, um, you ought to pay for that, (laughs) you know, because that was a huge play there. Yeah. I mean, I think in some cases they, some of the teams do still have that kind of a thing, but I think a lot of times too, you get some of these players that they're like, I don't want to pay in for a mistake that I made to some organization. You know, I'd rather just be able to buy, like, the guy that I screwed up a new car or a gold watch. Well, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine, too, I suppose. But that's not really doing anything more than saying, yeah, I screwed up. But here's this nice, fancy new uh, object (laughs) that you can have instead of, you know, let's let's put that $100 that you spent on this or that, you know, into the fund so that some – some kid that we're sponsoring that might have cancer or some other health issue can get some treatment, you know? Right. But I, th- I think a lot of them think with that, it's like, but is that money really going to that? You know, I'd rather see the other guy not be pissed at me all season long and be able to uh, improve a little better. Yep. So we have that fumble, you know, now Cincinnati has the ball back and I'm thinking, okay, let's see what Cincinnati is going to do now. But then, Burrow hits his one of his receivers, and then that receiver fumbles around midfield, and the ball goes back to the Bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a comedy of errors in that third quarter. Right, and then as the uh, third quarter comes to a close, you have the Bears in the red zone, right? Yep. Right, and now it's the quarter ends, and it's Chicago seven, Cincinnati three. Now after three quarters, right? And I'm thinking. You know, I think at some point here, we're going to see some type of fire. I mean, usually in an NFL game, at some point, there's some fireworks, right? Yeah. So we kind of had, kind of thought something was going to happen here soon. And then Fields throws a pass in the end zone, which was incomplete, you know, in the red zone. And the Bears had to settle for a Santos 28-yard field goal, which was good. So there's a missed opportunity there, red zone uh, for Fields. But they get the field goal, and Chicago is now up 10 to 3. Uh, Chicago 10, Cincinnati 3, right? Yeah. I mean, there there was just a lot of... Now this game has become two young quarterbacks who probably needed some more time to learn the league, but were thrown in because of unforeseen circumstances or an organization that just wanted to win now and do the stupid things to make it happen, but had nothing to work with. Right, right. And we're seeing it from both of these teams throughout this game. Right. And then with 10.55 left in the fourth quarter, we saw the signature, kind of the signature play of the game. It was Roquan Smith's intercepted pass 
Burroughs pass, and then Smith runs it back. Real nice job there. Had some blocking, everything, you know, it was a nice coordination there on the return. Goes 53 yards to the house, huh? Santos extra point. Now it's Chicago 17 to 3 over Cincinnati. And that was uh, a great a great interception. He read that play. Smith was right there for the interception. And as soon as he got it back, his mindset was, I'm taking it to the house, huh? Yeah, and I think at that point, by the time you had the third interception, the Cincinnati offense was just like, we're done. Right. We've had now three interceptions in a row, and we just don't know what mistakes we need to fix. And part of that goes back to Burrow being a young quarterback. He's only in year two. Right. And he hasn't had that many games experience because he had the injury last year, you know, early on. So he missed a lot of time. So we could still kind of say that he's in his rookie season because there's still a lot of things he's got to learn. And he's going to have that all season with so many new weapons to work with that a lot of times you're going to see him throw interceptions and Cincinnati's not going to know what to do even when it means just tackle the guys so that we can get our defense on the field. Right. But you know what, Chad? I'm starting to think uh, 10 years from now, we might be saying uh, Joe Burrow is taking number one, and look what Justin Herbert has done over the last 10 years. I mean, I, when I watch Herbert, I get a sense that this guy's there for the long haul. Yeah, it, he's definitely going to be that way, and I'm noticing that with both LA teams right now that they've made some moves for the long haul, not just we want to win now and be done. Cincinnati's making so many of the usual moves that they made over the last 20 years or so since they let Boomer and Siasin get away. Yeah. And some of those players, when they were constantly in the playoff race and making noise in the AFC, right? It's well, they're just playing the, well, we're going to always be in rebuild. So yep. let's just play it. We get this guy for three years, send him off on his merry way, but we don't really get anything of value in return for it because of the fact that we jumped him in too soon. Yeah, yeah. So now that's what I think a lot of Bear fans wanted to do with Justin Fields was start him week one, have him around for three years, and he becomes the second coming of Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so now again it's Chicago 17, Cincinnati 3 with about 10 minutes left in the game. And then we have this seesaw battle going on here where Burrow throws an interception, gives the ball to Fields. Burrow throws an interception, gives the ball to Fields, right? So Burrow, right, Burrow's next interception was picked off by Jalen Johnson in Bengal territory. Fields had a third down at midfield, um, but, you know, they couldn't convert on that drive, couldn't get the first down. Then on Burrow's next pass, it was intercepted by Angelo Blackson, right? It was three passes in a row that were intercepted. And now the Bears have the ball on the you know, goal to go on the six-yard line but could not convert. And then Santos kicks another field goal. And it's Chicago 20, Cincinnati 3. And this is when you start to think about, you know, fields a little bit and realize now, you know, he's starting against the Cleveland Browns and he's not going to have this luxury in those games where – you know, we're just going to give up the ball in the red zone and you still can't put points on the board or touchdowns on the board. Yeah, they, the offense just, I think right now they're just too confused as to what's supposed to happen because they were all intended to work with Andy Dalton all season. Then the injury happens. Shields doesn't have his timing down yet, so everything's kind of off kilter there. 
and you're trying to do too many things to make him look like the superstar on third down or even on fourth down that he's not ready for because he doesn't know how to handle the fact that defenses are going to play tighter on third and fourth and one than what they did on, say, a third and eight. Yeah, yep. So now it's Chicago 20, Cincinnati 3, and then finally Burrow breaks out of his interception funk, and he throws a real nice pass to Jamar Chase for a 42-yard touchdown, and I liked what Jamar Chase did there. It showed who he was. He kind of caught that ball and, and, you know, kind of moved, kind of switched fields just a little bit there and got himself into the end zone, right? Yeah, he was doing the same kind of thing with Burrow in this game that he was doing at LSU when they were playing together. That's right. And that's yeah. finding the open field, even if it meant having to go across the field. Right. It was almost like they were wearing the purple and gold again. Yep, and having a very throaty-voiced uh, Ed Orgeron going, that's the <laughs> way I get it. <laughs> Right, it reminded you of the uh, LSU, and that's what Cincinnati wants to see, right? That's 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 Cincinnati's game plan right there. That's what they want to see in the future. Yeah, they they definitely need to be getting more guys in that offense that are coherent together and not just thrown together because the money said do it this way. Okay, so here I'm going to set the scenario here. It's going to be a little kind of a little funny thing, but so now it's what Chicago twenty, Cincinnati ten. So for that moment, Cincinnati became LSU. Right on the touchdown. Yep. So they now, did. so now we have to figure: Are the Bears going to become Ohio State here with, with Fields? But but then Fields throws that interception, and it's first and goal, and the Bengals deep in their red zone at the seven yard line, and that was like, wow, huh? Yeah, I mean, by that point, it just seemed like Fields didn't know what to do because it's like I've not been in this situation where I really just need to close the game down. I'm trying to be more explosive and scoring touchdowns. Like I'm still at Ohio State where we don't yeah. shut down until the the clock ends. Right. But so the, in this case, you don't have that kind of offense that you can do that with. So you just want to say, you know what, let's just play it safe and win the game here. Not play it, play it exciting and try to win big. Right. So, so that's the moment when I think Fields realizes – this isn't Ohio State. I'm on the Chicago Bears, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm play, being paid to play with guys that I don't know anything about yet. I haven't yeah. had a summer to work with them. I haven't had the opportunities to like hang out with them 24-7 like I did at Ohio State. Now right. it's like if they want to hang out with me, they will. If they don't, they don't. Yep. And then, you know, good for Cincinnati. Then Burrow hits T. Higgins on, on a seven-yard touchdown. And now all of a sudden it's 20 to – 17 with about three minutes to play. Yeah, and it's, that shouldn't have happened had you had a case where Justin Fields was told, we're just going to play it conservatively and just get the ball downfield and take time. Instead, right. it was he was in that mindset of let's let's put the gauntlet down and put this game away, but I don't, I don't have the ability to put it away right now because I'm not familiar with my receivers enough to know that they can make big plays or that they can catch the ball. My confidence is down right now because of all the block or the missed passes and now the interception that I've thrown. It's like, what do I do? Right. So, Chad, you think you, you're chalking this up to – well, I, I guess you have to at this point to some degree. You ch- you're chalking this more up to inexperience and trying to learn how to play with these guys and ba- or, or, or not, and not saying, hey, I just don't think this guy has it. We're not to that point yet in your mind? 
yeah, this game was just a lot of inexperience. I mean, it was you had to throw him into the fire because you had no other choice. It wasn't a case of Dalton was playing a bad game or doing anything wrong. He just got hurt, so you had no other choice because you put your third quarterback, who should right now be your number two, on the inactive list, so he wasn't going to be able to play anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of an inexperience on Nagy's part, along with Ryan Pace, they're not saying, let's put the veteran quarterbacks on the roster so that if something happens, we're not blowing this game, but that we need to win so that we can kind of get some things going with this organization. You know, let's throw the new guy in there and hope that he doesn't blow it up. Right. And he almost did. He almost did, yeah. So so going into this week, coming up with the Browns, um, if he has a bad game, we may still hear a little bit like, you know, the inexperience factor along the way, or he's just playing a far superior team. So he's been, he's going to end up getting some, regardless of what happens, mo- most likely from the press and, and announcers and some fans, um, he's probably going to give get a little more leeway, right? Uh, depending on, who, on what press you're really considering with that, you might see some of them giving him a little more leeway, but it could also be that you're listening to those that work for WBBM and they're basically trying to be on the – the team side of things so that they don't make everything look too bad but yeah if you're gonna have some media they're gonna be like yeah this was a bad move but they're not gonna understand why it, or they're not gonna really give good reasons for why it was a bad move right they're just gonna go you know it's justin fields he should know better it's like but it's not so much that he should know better it's the bears that should know better after so many years of inex- of inactivity of doing the right things at the right time yep well, good for the Bears. They ended up, you know, winning this one, twenty to seventeen, and uh, and again they move. We're, they're going to be moving uh, Sunday to uh, Cleveland to play the Browns. Let's let's look at some of the numbers here. Not much really sticks out sticks out here. The Bengals total yards two forty eight, the Bears two oh six. So uh, neither team really, you know, you got to get those numbers up most <laughs> a little bit there, right? Yeah, and it's. The numbers there are all going to come down to inexperienced quarterbacks in terms of years of experience and then working with so many different or new teammates that they're not as familiar with because of Cincinnati bringing in new players in the offseason, the Bears working with a quarterback who's not had enough snaps with the first team to really know what they're going to be like on the field. So a lot of it comes down to the inexperience, and it's on both sides in this game. So it's not one team doing poorly, the other team just making do but it's just a battle of inexperience yeah one one stat that you know just seems to be a current theme already is this yards per pass play for the bears 3.1 i mean now that this is let's talk a little bit about Nagy again it's sort of Nagy's offense yeah it kind of reminds you back to the days of color with his dink and dunk for like three to five yards and just try to get the ball moving forward We're seeing a lot of that with this because I think you're not giving enough confidence to the the quarterback to be able to throw the ball further downfield to get things going because of the fact that you're concerned that something is going to go wrong. It's like if you're going to have that kind of a problem with Andy Dalton that you're going to hold him back, it's like then why did you sign him? Right. Because you know what he can do downfield. It's just when you're you're also comparing it to what he was doing with bad Cincinnati teams not what he can do with a good Bears team or some good talent that the Bears have to be able to throw the ball downfield and make things happen. And with Justin Fields, it's he's still 
wet behind the ears. Yeah, so we're going to see more of this, huh? I think we're going to until there's a little more, bit more confidence built up in Justin Fields himself. Like, he's got to do it. There's not too much the coaching staff can do to make him better in terms of the mental side of the game yeah. and being ready for things. It's He's got to do it on his own, otherwise it's not going to happen. Yeah, so, so I, right. So I, I don't believe there's enough in the coaching staff to be able to get it done their way of explaining how to get mentally into it. It's more Fields being a younger guy is going to have to do it on his own. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think Allen Robinson's real happy with what's going on right now with this. Because <laughs> I think he wants to go long and he wants to, you know, to get his numbers up and all of that. So, and I don't know, you know, now they're one and one. If, if, if they start losing, you might, you might see Allen Robinson, you know, start squawking a lot more about what's going on there with the offense. Well, and with Allen Robinson, it may even be that it's a contract year. So he's yeah. trying to live up to his hype. Right. And, yeah, that's part of I mean, it. He wants two, to get the numbers we're, up. We're two games into the season. So a little of it's just we've got some things we got to work on. But it's also a case of we've got so many guys that want the ball, but quarterbacks that aren't throwing the ball very well. And now that we're with Justin Fields, he's not as experienced, doesn't have his timing down. And that's kind of throwing things off for what Allen Robinson wants. Yep, right. So, you know, putting almost everything aside, you had four turnovers by um, – you had the fumble loss by, by Cincinnati and you had the three borough interceptions. And um, all they really had to do was score on one of those drives that they had those four interceptions on and they may have won the game. So it could go back to those borough interceptions, right? And one of them was a touchdown. So if you take the Roquan Smith touchdown off the board, that interception, the Bengals win the game. Exactly. I mean, there was nothing about this game that really stood out to be great. Both teams had their mistakes. Both teams did things poorly. But a lot of it was due to inexperience in the, the spots where they needed the experience. One being quarterback, two being receivers and offensive players that weren't just, get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball. It's what do I need to do so we get downfield. Right, right. All right, so let's look at the individual stats. You had Justin Fields, 6 for 13, 60 yards passing, 4.6 yards of pass, one interception, two sacks, and his quarterback, um, his rating was 27.7. And Dalton, when he was in there, Dalton was 9 for 11 for 56 yards. Um, he got sacked one time, and his, his rating was 118. So... Um, those are just some food for thought on those numbers, right? Yeah, but I, I think the thing that with Dalton is he knows his receivers well enough that he knew where to put the ball and right. knew where they were going to be to get there. Fields is still learning that part, and that's why his 6 for 11 or 6 for 13 looks so deceiving. Yeah. Is it's, yeah. it's not that some of it was the drop passes. But some of it was also just the timing factor. Like, he was gunning the ball to certain people instead of putting it up there so that they could get to the right spot where it's supposed to be. Like, he wasn't anticipating where they were going. He was just throwing it to where they were supposed to be, which is part of the inexperience factor. Yep, that's right. To rushing, yeah, David Montgomery, 20 carries for 61 yards. And um, I thought David Montgomery, you know, I think, a little more carries. This is the kind of game where he could have had 100 yards with some more carries. Not only that, but they need to quit going up the gut with him so much. Yeah. Because like, he gets, around, gets to that hole, and it's closed. 
by the time he really gets going anywhere. It's like he needs to go more uh, east-west to get to where he can go north-south. Yeah. Instead of trying to go up the gut north-south because he's not getting anywhere with that besides up the, the lineman's butt. Right, and the, and the Bears are doing just the opposite of that when they're passing. Mm-hmm. They're it's going kind of, more east-west and getting yeah, nowhere. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you don't want to be going out of bounds on every pass. I mean, yeah, it'll stop the clock so you don't have to use a timeout, but you're not getting anywhere doing that either. Right, right. And this stat to me, I think out of all the stats that I saw after this game, this is the one for me that jumps out more than anything, is that Justin Fields had 10 carries. And I'm telling you, you can't have him carrying the ball 10 times because he is never going to finish this season, no less be a quarterback in this league for 5 to 10 years. Because Not with that. He might, if he keeps going at 10 carries a game, after this season, he might be done because he has no knees left. He'll be the next <laughs> RG3 doing that thing. Right. I mean, that's the thing. When I saw 10 carries, I'm like, you know, and here's, and here's the thing, right? We're talking about a guy that's been, like, this is his first game, really. I mean, you could talk about the other game where he was just kind of subbing in for a play, but he actually was the Bears quarterback for three quarters of this game, and you're giving a young quarterback 10 carries. Now, I know some of them were on his own. They weren't, like, called plays for him to run, but he had 10 carries in the game. And no, that's not what you – that's not what you draft. I mean, maybe they did draft him for this, but in my view, this is not why you drafted this guy. I mean, there's absolutely no way. That's why I say Lamar Jackson, yeah, he can carry the ball 10 times a game. But he's not Lamar Jackson, you know. I mean, it's just too much, too much. I think he's got to get – I think he has to stay in the pie. He's got to figure out when to throw – you know, he's holding the ball too long. He needs to figure that out. And if he just decides, you know what, I'm going to rely on my legs. We all know when these guys rely on their legs – you know, they could do that for a few years, but you can't make hay in this league just relying on your legs all the time. Yeah, because eventually it's going to be a case where your receivers are always going to be open because the, the corners are just, or the, the secondary is just like, well, we're going to wait for them to get about five yards deep, sit, sit around there for 30 seconds waiting to pass, have nothing, and then he's going to run it because it's just going to be predictable. And you're going to see that tell when they're at the line waiting for him to hike the ball and it's like well you know he's going four yards over that way and he's going to wait 30 seconds and then he's going to run so yeah and i'll and i draw a comparison to uh, an analogy to some extent for the cowboys being a cowboys fan right so when i see dak prescott run the ball and try to pick up a first down and let's say he picks up the first down and the crowd's going crazy and the announcers like that's dak he can pick up the first down by running that's the last thing that I want to see is that's telling me that my offense is not clicking. If I have, you know, with Zeke Elliott and the rest of the gang there, that you have to rely on Dak Prescott to pick up first downs. And I think the same thing with Justin Fields. If he's looking around for a, for a receiver and then he just takes off and he runs seven yards and maybe picks up a first down, you know, it all looks good on paper. Like, wow, the fans are happy, but that's not what you want. You want to see your offense. You want to see him throwing the ball, running the ball to his running back and leading the team down the field. But I just don't think that's the recipe. Yeah. I mean, they're just, there's pieces that they still have to work on and offense is going to be working all season to figure out where they need to be. Right. Yeah. So that's what I, that's to me, that was the glaring stat. They're receiving Darnell Moody, 
Mooney, he had a um, you know six catches for 66 yards. I mean, Cole Komet, one catch. They got to get him the ball more. And they probably wanted to. It's just a matter of where the Bengals fo- focused more on Robinson and Komet and leaving Mooney. So Mooney was always a little more open and available. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the thing that Allen Robinson's got to look at, too, is a lot of these defenses, they know that he's the number one receiver, so they're going to be focused on him a lot more. So he's going to do things to get a little more open to beat the defense. And he's not doing that right now because yeah. he just figured, Allen Robinson, I know what I can do. They know what I can do. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and the ball's going to find me. Right. Now, sometimes, and what you see a lot, and I think it's important, too, is that you know, a young quarterback like Fields, his best friend should be his tight end. And I think that's where you start is hitting that, hitting a call commit. You know, when you're when you're looking around trying to throw some throw to someone, keep 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 your eye on your tight end because that's a guy that really can bail you out a lot. So I think that relationship, you know, you got Cole Komet, the young tight end, you got Fields the young quarterback, and I think they have to get on the same page. Yeah, I mean your tight end's always gonna be your tallest, most active blocker so that when it comes to your passing game you want to know that your tight end is making sure that that defensive end is not getting around yeah to keep you being able to throw the ball because if you're relying on your linemen to do everything some of them after about two seconds of pushing they're going to give up because it's either their legs are given out their knees are, are gone or their arms are just like nip let them through yeah so and if you, you just your, yeah and if you just i didn't do that for you Right, and if you establish Cole Komet early in the game, you may find Allen Robinson open later. Exactly. Or if for some reason Robinson's not open, Komet will be, because eventually whoever he's blocking is going to give up because he's thinking, well, they, they know that Robinson's open now, so I need to go taking care of somebody else that's on the back part and then leaving Komet open for that short yardage that just at least, at least gets the ball downfield. Right, right. All right, so looking at the defense, Roquan Smith had a great game. He had nine sol- uh, nine tackles, five solo. He had that um, interception return for a touchdown. Duke Shelley, huh? Looked pretty good on the stat sheet. Yeah, he he was definitely the one that was the unsung hero of the defense because he stepped up where he needed to. You know, because everybody thinks with, with our defense that Smith, Quinn, Kicks, all those that we've known the names of for years, all of a sudden, Duke Shelley steps in and says, yep, it's my turn to, to take over some of the responsibility and making sure that things get stopped. Right, yeah. And Robert Quinn had two sacks. Akeem Hicks had two quarterback hits, but he seemed like he was kind of all over the field for most of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of his position was to be around wherever the big receiver was going to be in case they needed to double or back up Right. whoever the theory was that lost him. Yeah, Khalil Mack had that interception, but on the stat sheet, he has one solo tackle. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Khalil Mack's been rather silent so far, and that's not a bad thing because, I mean, we're, we're going to see him work into what he's supposed to be. It's just a matter of how long is it going to, how many more games is it going to take for that to happen. Right, right. Interesting stat, no punt returns for the Bears because <laughs> of the interceptions, right? Yeah, plus... I couldn't even tell you who the Bengals punter is most of the time. Right. And that's usually because I'm either not watching the Bengals because they're on the same time as the Bears are, or they're not shown here in Illinois because they want to show New England or they want to show Pittsburgh or they want to show Baltimore, 
whoever the Bengals are not playing that particular week. That's right. So. All right, so let's talk about who's on deck here for the Bears, and it's the Cleveland Browns, right? Noon at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland on Sunday. Um, Cleveland lost their first game of the year to Kansas City in a thriller, 33-29, to and really Cleveland had chances to put Kansas City away there. But, of course, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes had a, a great finish to that game. And I thought, you know, all in all, I think both, you know, I was impressed with Cleveland. They were sort of in control of that game most of the way, right? Yeah, they, they were definitely making it so that Cle- or Kansas City was off so much in that game and how they normally don't feel like they have that, that struggle in the fourth quarter because they're usually ahead by so much. But Cleveland just kept on them and shut down the receivers really didn't seem very existent outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe one other on deep plays. But other than that, you get close to the goal line, that Browns defense stood up and said, we're taking over. Right. We're stuck in your tracks. Right. And I think we're starting to see a pattern here. I think we're going to see Baker Mayfield and um, Patrick Mahomes go out of quite a bit in their careers. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be almost like watching, say, Kozar versus Marino or Kozar versus Asiasen. Yeah, of the old days. Right, right. Then they come back the next week. They beat the Houston Texans, who have a a lousy team, 31-21. to I was surprised that they didn't handle Houston a little bit better there, but they picked up the win, right? I think at that point, Houston was still working with the same quarterback that they were starting with until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And now they're on to the third stringer in Davis Mills. So it's it's up in the air with Houston as to what's going to happen. And I don't think anything good's going to come out of that organization this year. No, no, nothing. And, of course, Deshaun Watson's out. Um, so well, and they're wanting so much for Deshaun Watson, and there's so much out on him about his, right. his situation that teams are not taking a flyer on him. No. We know what's going on with this. It's basically like watching Houston deal with Trevor Bauer right. that LA has. It's like, what what's going on? How long do we have to keep this guy in administrative leave? Yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, you just knew this was going to happen to Houston. I mean, it was just a mess all the way around. So, um, so what do you think? Do the Bears have any shot at this? I honestly, I think I said at the beginning of the season, they or when we did our preview show, that they were probably going to win this game. But that was with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I don't really foresee Justin Fields being able to do it, even though he's going to have a ton of Ohio State fans in his in his corner for that that game. I don't think he's going to be able to do anything against the Browns' defense. They are going to step up and be like, this is why we're the Browns and why we're known for being such great teams over the years. Because our defense stepped up, even though our offense is just as good. Right, so I think it's Justin Fields in his tracks. Yeah, I'm with you on this, and I think the question is going to be: Is you know what's what's nagging if Fields going to do with this? I mean, is are they going to let you know? You know, is Justin Fields going to try to be the hero here? Because if he tries to be the hero, things could get not could get, really get ugly on the scoreboard. Or are they going to go to David Montgomery and try to like establish the run and take some heat off? You know, Justin Fields. Because if they get in third and longs, I mean, just this could be a long afternoon for the Bears. Yeah, I don't know that they're going to be able to do much because I, 
I'm seeing the Cleveland Browns stopping the run just as much as they would everything else based on the fact that Justin Fields is going to look, you know, nobody downfield and he may end up with like 20 or 30 carries because he has no other options and he's not going to be the type to throw the ball out of bounds and not take a sack or try to run it and lose six yards. Right, right. So you'll have some Bears fans at the game because it's a short ride, and you're going to have some Ohio State fans there, but you're also going to have the dog pound, too, to deal with. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have quite <laughs> a bit of dog pound that's going to intimidate Justin Fields so much. Yeah. Like, he's got the ball. There is going to be no chance of being able to hear anything he calls, so it's going to be like a lot of silent snaps. Right. And let's Which, face it, you know, the the Browns fans have waited a long time to have a good football team, right? So they're, yeah. you know, and they're going to, and they and they want to establish themselves here now. And of course they want to get on a roll after losing to Kansas City. So, you know, it's, I don't see anything good in this game for the Bears. I really don't. No, there's, there's nothing anymore now that Dalton's not going to be the yeah. answer to, to keeping us in the game. It's like, there is no way that this Browns team is going to give the the Bears any chance, and I I really don't think that trying to do a silent snap count with Justin Fields is going to work no. because of the fact that the inexperience is going to show massively against that that secondary. The defense is going to get in on him, and he's just not going to be able to handle the pressure of a good team. Yeah, you know, I, especially when he was at Ohio State playing the same bad teams in the Big Ten every year and being able to run all over them plus their cupcake game they win like 35 to nothing in the first quarter where he could have been pulled from there but they kept him in until the third you know he's he's just not gonna show anything this week that's gonna say the Bears are gonna have a chance to win right so I mean a good move here for Fields would be don't you know leave the game error free in terms of turnovers right I mean then you can at least say he didn't, you know, turn the ball over, didn't throw an interception, didn't fumble the football. Yeah, I mean, I'd almost rather see him hand the ball off to David Montgomery and a couple other running backs a lot more than just taking the ball into his own hands and doing all the legwork himself. Yep, yep. So uh, it'll be interesting, right? Going to be a lot of theater to, uh, Sunday watching that game. Definitely, yeah. Yep. I mean, it's not going to look good at all. No, no. All right, Chad. Well, it's time to close up shop. Any parting thoughts before we, we do close up shop here? No, I just kind of hope the Bears have something good going into this one because I am afraid of what's going to happen the week after. Um, I mean, there's just too many question marks on this on this roster right now, and especially when nobody really has a good answer for it or really has reason for what they're doing. Especially when you're sitting your your third string quarterback the first two weeks of the season because you're banking everything on your starter, you know. I mean, we've got a, the possibility this week of going into Detroit one and two. Yep, that should be happening. But because of what we've got, we're now giving the opportunity that the Lions have a chance to beat us when we didn't think that was going to happen three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, there's just too many things now that it makes the makes the season look like your six and eleven you talked about compared to my twelve and I think I ended up at twelve and five or something when when we did our predictions. Right. So Yep. And the schedule and we've talked about this, this is a very unforgiving schedule the Bears have. 
You know, we talked about October 3rd, Detroit, but then they're at Vegas, and Vegas is playing good now. Yeah, I mean, Vegas, they had that game on Monday Night Football to start the season that they probably should have lost it, but they came out to play in that overtime, and it showed. Right. Look at the, yeah. So just want to, real quick here, this is the schedule. These are games right back to back to back. Vegas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and then Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that is tough stuff. And then they get a break with Detroit again, but then they have to go and, and play Arizona, and then Green Bay again, and then Minnesota and Seattle, and, you know, they got a break with the Giants and a couple of late games against the Vikings, but this stretch that they have after this Detroit game is, is something else. Yeah, I mean... If we don't get any Dalton back or have some answers or go to Nick Foles, the season's over. I am not seeing Justin Fields being being where he needs to be to have any kind of growth. And if this team plays out where he's spending most of the time as our starting quarterback, his career is going to be three years long because you're not going to see many teams wanting to take a flyer on him after year three. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So all gloom and doom, unfortunately, Bears fans right now. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um you know, in Cleveland tomorrow, but uh, neither one of us are seeing many good things for the Bears coming out of Cleveland. So, Chad, it's been great having you on again. It's been fun working with us. I mean, a lot to talk about and opportunities to hopefully change our opinion later, but things have to work in our favor. Right. That's right. All right, Chad, thanks again. Anytime. Thank you for listening. To this episode of the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. Thanks again for listening. Check out our Twitter page at the underscore fan underscore man underscore and tell me what you think. (laughs) 